Well, we are uh, in a series, uh, Forward in Faith, and we're going to be kind of walking through the book of James, talking about our faith. We've been talking a lot this year about uh, just about different things, and, and we've talked about faith, but not really about what faith looks like. And so I wanted to talk just for probably up until Advent season, just what is faith? What does faith look like? And so we're going we're gonna to go through the book of James as James talks a lot about faith. In the book of James, uh, there's, there's 108 verses, and then in the, he talks about faith 14 times. He gives a good amount of, of, uh, of space here to faith. James, James likes to talk about faith, and he teaches us a lot of great things about our faith. And so we're going to spend some time in the book of James looking at our faith. And last week we began the series by talking about a faith that perseveres, even in the midst of trials and even in the midst of temptations, right? James chapter 1 says, my dear brothers and sisters, consider it joy when you experience trials of many kinds. Consider it joy, he says. That, uh, just Still, even today, I even taught about it last week, still today, coming out of my mouth, that just sounds weird to me. Consider it joy when you go through trials of many kinds, but we can have joy when the goal of our trials is God and not just to get through the trials, right? And so we need to, to persevere. Faith perseveres. That's, our, that's what we talked about last week. A characteristic of a mature faith is that this kind of faith perseveres. This week, we're going to talk uh, about another aspect of faith in James chapter 1, if you want to go there to James chapter 1, uh, we're going to start at verse 19 and go to 25 today. If you're in one of the Pew Bibles on page 854. Uh, and as you turn, I just want to remind you what, what James is. Just get a little context of James. James was written by James, imagine that, the brother of Jesus, right? And, and he was writing to scattered believers who, who are scattered because of persecution, right? They're scattered, they're, they're discouraged, they're, they're poor. This is, these are the people that he's writing to, people who, who believe but are scattered because of persecution. And, and we get to this, this, this week's text. And he's telling them not only to have a faith that perseveres, but have a faith that obeys. Have a faith that obeys. Now James's idea of obedience has, has tied in a lot to, to listening, and we're going to talk about listening a lot today. Uh, you know, listening is one of the most important things we can do in our faith, and, and, and in any relationship, really, in our relationship with God, in our relationship with other people, listening is an important thing, right? Uh, Paul Tillich said, the first duty of love is to listen, right? We, we kind of understand cognitively as humans that we need to be people who can listen, right? If you look, if you just Go on Amazon.com and search books and type in listening. I did that this morning. There were 101 different pages, different tabs of books to do with listening. And I'm sure that's not even all of them. I just typed in the word listening, right? I didn't do listen. I didn't do the other kind of things. Just listening. 101 different pages of books that you, can, that you could buy. All right, we, we understand that listening is an important thing, and I think James knows the importance of listening too, but I think James even puts, puts more importance on it. And so let, let's read this, James chapter 1, starting at verse 19, we're going to uh, go to verse 25 this morning. Here's what he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. 
and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is what James says about listening. And I think for James, listening is more than just being quiet while someone else talks. James is is saying that listening is more than this. They're listening. If you haven't responded, you haven't listened. I think that's what James would say. If you haven't responded, you haven't listened. And there's this, do not deceive, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's one of the things I, I worry about as your pastor. Honestly, this is a thought that goes through my head quite a bit as your pastor. It is entirely possible that every single week you, would, you can come to church, you can worship, you can hear the word, you can take great notes, and you can leave, and nothing changes. And you can leave, and there's no action. You can leave, and there's no, it doesn't, you don't let the word do anything for your life. You don't let it change you. You just kind of, kind of just... That was a good sermon. That was fun. I'm glad I was at church today. But, but this, isn't, this, isn't, this isn't what church is about. This isn't what the gospel is. This, is. this isn't what listening is. I think James would say that, that, that if you haven't responded, you haven't truly listened, right? And that's kind of my, my philosophy when I preach here. Is not, I don't want my, my sermons to be informational. I want my sermons to be transformational. I want you to leave thinking, you know, what do I do with this? What do I do with the word of God that has just been handed to me? What do I do here with this? And I think James is, saying, James is saying the same thing. This is not just about information. You're not listening just to know more. All right, if you haven't responded, if there's no action based off of what you've just heard, then you haven't really listened. All right, there's, a, there's a great analogy here of, of the mirror. You know, mirrors, mirrors today work the same as mirrors did back then. When you look into a mirror, you see yourself. Right? There's no difference. They were maybe made a little bit differently back then. Right? But when you look into a mirror, you see yourself. Right? And, and, and I think, <clears throat> I'm hoping at least, this morning when you woke up, you looked into a mirror. And why did you look into a mirror? You looked into a mirror to say, does my hair look okay? Is there anything on my face? Do my clothes match? Right? And then if you were to look into that mirror and see something that did not that needed to be fixed if your if your hair wasn't just quite right or if you were not matching if you were you know, there's no one in here who would leave that mirror and be like yeah i think i'm good in fact there are some people here I, i'm sure of it there are some people here who wouldn't leave the house unless they looked into the mirror and saw that everything was good right no one looks into a mirror sees something that needs to happen and then doesn't do it Right, this, is, this is the ridiculous now that James gives here. This is, this is how ridiculous it would be for James to listen to the word and then go away and not do anything about it. It's like looking at yourself in a mirror and then going away and immediately forgetting what you looked like. Is it just me or is this just a ridiculous analogy? 
I, I think James is, James is really, I love James, because James doesn't leave anything to be like, I wonder what he meant there. Now, James is pretty straightforward in what he's looking at here. James is saying that this is, this, is, this is how ridiculous it is for believers to listen without doing. See, God's word is like a mirror. And when we look into it, not only do we see reflected God's character, right? But we see ourselves, we see our lives, we see what's going on in our lives and what God would have us do in our lives. And it'd be like, it'd be like saying, all right, God, I hear you saying I should do this. I hear you saying I should do this, but I'm not going to do that. I hear you. I see it. I, I see what you're asking me to do. I just don't, I don't think I want to do that. See, reading Scripture is kind of a reflective process, right? We read it, and we, we see God, and we see ourselves, and we, we hear from God in here. And I think that just the fact that this is a reflective process to read Scripture is maybe one of the reasons we don't read enough. Maybe one of the reasons we don't read often enough, because we know when we read in here, we might see something that God is calling us to do, and what if I don't want to do that? We might see something, that, a way that God is calling us to live. We might, we might see something new in there, and, and what, if I, what if I don't want to do that? See, but to be shown what to do and to not do it is to look into a mirror and to turn around and forget what you look like. I think James here is, is, is talking about obedience. I love James's analogy here in terms of obedience. See, we need to have a faith that obeys. A faith that doesn't just hear the word, but a faith that, that does what we hear. A faith that is not only just, we don't want to be, be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. We want, to be, we want to be acting upon what we're hearing from God. We need a faith that obeys. And I think this, this passage here talks a little bit about how we can obey. How, how do we have a faith that obeys? How can we mature our faith into a faith that obeys? I think there's three things in here that really, that really stick out to me. And number one, I think here's the, the first thing we need to do. To have a faith that obeys. I think we need to receive the word humbly. We need to receive the word humbly, right? Here's how he starts this. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This quick to listen is literally hurry up and listen. This is what James is saying here. Everyone should take note of this. Hurry up and listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to become angry. You know, sometimes I think we, we come to the word, and like in any relationship, no relationship is going to work, right, if you, are, if you are quick to speak and slow to listen. Right, but in the same way, it's slow to speak, quick to listen. I think sometimes we, we come to our relationship with God, and, and we do it in prayer, and we do it with the word. I think we come to the word, and we come to prayer talking. We're quick to speak. And slow to listen. All right, we come in, and, and maybe we're not actively like speaking verbally when we read the Bible, but, but we come in with our ideas of what this passage means because we've heard a lot of sermons and we've read a lot of things, and, and this pastor said this about this. And, 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 but we, if we came in instead with this attitude of, God, what are you trying to teach me today? God, what are you trying to show me today? And we were, we were slow to speak. 
slow to, to tell the text what it means and quick to listen. To just go to a text and not have any, not have any preconceived notions about what, what I'm supposed to receive from this. But instead just go to it and say, God, God, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me today? Because sometimes if we don't do that, we go to a text, and, or sometimes even when we do this, right? We go to a text and, and we hear what it says and, and if we don't like it, right? If we don't like what the text is saying, we're like, well, maybe... Maybe that part's not quite as inspired as the rest of it, right? Maybe, maybe God didn't really mean what he said there. Maybe I can get away with, with this over here or this over here. Or we, we try to fit the word of God into our lifestyle. Right? If it doesn't fit in my life, then, then, then it's just not going to fit, right? I just don't, I don't like that verse. It's not one that I have underlined. It's not one that I'm going to memorize, right? And, and i got to tell you, this is not just a, a 2017 issue. This is not just an issue that Christians have today of, of, of seeing the word of God and not liking what we see and going a different way. This is, this is essentially the history of Christians. You go back to the Old Testament and, and, and you look at the prophets and the prophets were there to, to call people out of a lifestyle of this way and into the lifestyle of God, into the life of God, into the way of God. And you know what happened to a lot of prophets and a lot of teachers they were killed for what they were trying to do. Why? Because, because being uncomfortable is hard. I like the way I'm living right now. I, I like the way that, that, I'm, that I'm doing this. I feel good about my life right now. I, I feel good about the way I'm living right now. And, and so the Bible says maybe I should live a little bit different over here, but, but man, this is nice. And then we read certain scriptures and we think, I don't know. I just don't know about that. I don't know if that's, that's, that's God, what God's calling me to. You know, we, read the, we read Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations. Man, but my, my life over here is just so good, right? I love what my, I'm living right now. I like where I'm living right now. And so we read this, go and make disciples of all nations. And we're like, well, he's talking to those, the missionaries. This is not a verse for me. This is not a verse for all Christians, right? This is just a verse for, for the missionaries. No, this is, this is the word of God. Go and make disciples of all nations. And do you see what I'm trying to say here? Sometimes we, we look in this and we're, we're kind of quick to speak when we come to Scripture. We have this preconceived idea of, of what Scripture is supposed to say to us or, or what we would like Scripture to say to us. And we're, we're, we're not slow to listen or we're not quick to listen. And sometimes, like I said, this is not just a 2017 thing. This is a, this is a, a, this is a problem that's gone all throughout the history of the church, all throughout the history of, of Christians. I, I love the language that James uses here, though. Humbly accept the word planted in you. Humbly accept the word planted in you. Now, this language would have, been, would have been kind of familiar to the people that he's talking to here in Jerusalem. These scattered believers who have, who have left Jerusalem because of persecution, because of all these things, humbly accept the word of God planted in you. I'll show you how familiar it is. Go to Jeremiah chapter 31. You don't have to go there. You can just, you can just listen if you'd like. Jeremiah 31, starting at verse 31. 
The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Now this is the Old Testament here, and this is the prophet Jeremiah saying to the people of God, I will put my, this is God's words, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And I want you to get the tense here. I will do this. I will write my, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. And then you go back to James and he says, humbly accept the word of God, which is where? It's planted in you. It's there. This is what the Old Testament people were longing for when they heard these words of Jeremiah. I I will write it on your hearts. I will put my law on your minds. And then we hear James saying, humbly accept the word, which is, it's planted in you. It's already in you. It's already there. Then you go to Ezekiel chapter 36, just a few, well, not a few chapters, it's kind of over there. Ezekiel chapter 36. Starting at verse 24. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and I will bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put my spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees And be careful to keep my laws. And then James, humbly accept the word. Where is the word? It is already planted in you. We need to humbly accept the word of God because it has been planted in you. Receive it humbly. Be, Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Quick to listen. I think all of us, me included, need to to learn a thing or two about how to listen for the voice of God as we read, as we, as we seek him. Amen. Go back to James with me. Because we, be, we need to receive the word humbly, but I think we also, if we're going to have a faith that obeys, we need to have a faith that is always remembering the word of God. A faith that constantly remembers the word. Constantly remembers the word. Verse 25 But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Whoever looks intently, this word intently is like studying. Whoever studies this word of God, it's it's kind of like soaking, soaking in the word of God. Here's an example. Have you ever seen a kid look at a bug? You ever seen just a, a kid? They're out in the they're out of the park, or they're out in the backyard, or they're out somewhere, and they see a bug, like a roly poly or something. My kids have always been enamored with roly polies for some reason, and they will just sit on the ground and just stare at these roly polies. Just stare at these bugs. These bugs aren't doing anything. 
But they'll just stare at him, right? And Hayden will just poke him, and so they'll go into a little ball. And they'll wait a little bit, and then they'll get up and start walking again. And I remember Ashley used to have this park we would go to. It's called the Roly-Poly Park, because there was just a, a ton of Roly-Polies there. And she would just look at the Roly-Polies, right? But, but she, would just, she would just look at them and, and study them, and, and, and not to like know anything necessarily, but just, yeah, I want to know all about this thing. Man, this is so cool. It can roll up into a ball. Did you know that? Oh, man. Look at this thing. It crawls. It has a shell. This is crazy. And she would just stare. She would get on the ground with these roly-polies, and she would just stare at these roly-polies. This is, this is this word intently. Whoever looks intently into the word of God, this is what this looks like. Man. Oh, man. Man, did you know this about the word of God? Oh, man. Did you, have you read this before? I've never seen this before in the word of God. Oh my goodness. Whoever looks intently into the word of God, it gives freedom and continues it, not forgetting what they've heard. Right? Look intently, stop amidst the busyness and open up the word and just let it, let it soak in. And not forgetting, not forgetting what you've heard. Just absorb it in. Let it, let it just soak into you. Again, this is, this is nothing new for Christians. This is, a, this is an issue that people have had for a long time, for the history of the church, for the history of Christians. If you go back to Deuteronomy, God, God kind of knew this, I think, about Christians. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is probably going to be a familiar verse, verse 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Impress them or talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is God saying here? Don't forget my word. Don't forget what I'm telling you. Don't forget what what I've taught you. Verse 10, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now, this is a temptation from, from way long ago, right? Don't forget the Lord. If you turn just one page over, Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting at verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you out of the hard out of, he brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you, so in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands has produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. 
and, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Don't forget the word of God. Even in the earliest parts of Scripture, we have reminders from God saying, don't forget this. He's even saying like, hey, you're going to face this temptation. You're going to be able to think that you did all of this. You're going to be able to think, you're going to be able to think this is all because of you. Don't forget me. Don't forget the word of God. Tie it, tie it on your wrist, right? Put it everywhere. Impress it on your children. Talk about it when you lie down. Talk about it when you wake up. Talk about it at the dinner table. Talk about it everywhere. Just remember the word. And remember, where is the word now, James said? It's planted in you. We need to remember constantly the word. But Pastor Chris, I just can't, I can't memorize scripture. Yeah, you can you know how I know that? Because you know every single word to your favorite song when you hear it. You can quote your favorite movie all day long. It's about what value you place on things. I think I've said this once before. If I were to give you $1,000 for every memory verse you could have, you would be on it, like, quick. Jesus wept, baby, $1,000. Be joyful always, $1,000. This is what I'm talking about. Let's go, right? We'd just be pumped about going into Scripture and memorizing as much of the Scripture as possible. Why? Because there's a benefit to us, right? Man, we need, to just, we need to just remember constantly the Scripture. And yes, you can do it. You can do it. You can remember it. It's just a matter of what value you place on the word. Remember constantly. Receive it humbly. Remember it constantly. Let's go back to James. Because our third one is this. If we're going to have a faith that obeys, we're going to need a faith that throws all of ourselves in. We need to obey wholeheartedly. Not just a piece of us. Not just a part of us not just a piece of what he's asking, not just a part of what he's asking. We need to obey with all of us to all of what he's asking. We need to obey completely. I, I love this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James gets straight to the point. Don't just listen, do it. Don't just listen, do it. If there's no action, then there hasn't been any acceptance to what you've heard. Jesus actually teaches on the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7 is where this parable is. And he talks about this, these, these people who are building. And here's what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Matthew 7 verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. James is not the first one to say, don't just listen to the word, do it. Jesus just says it in story form. 
Sometimes we read this parable and we think he's just talking to all the people who, who don't know Christ, right? This is not what he says. But everyone, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. All right, these are, these are hearers of the word. These are listeners of the word, but people who don't put it into practice. These are the people who, when these storms come, like we talked about last week, these trials and temptations, when they come into our lives, we're just destroyed. Because where is our faith? Faith obeys. Faith puts what we've heard into practice. Faith puts what we've heard into action. This is, this is a faith that obeys. So, and to have this faith, I think we need to, to receive the word of God humbly. We need to, to remember the word of God, God constantly. And we need to just put all of ourselves in. Not just a piece of us, not just a part of us. To not just a piece of the word and not just a part of the word, but all of us to all of the word. This is what it looks like to have a faith that obeys. Now, I wonder this morning if there's anyone in here who needs to obey. God's been calling you to do something, and you just, I don't want to do that. It doesn't fit this life over here. Just not comfortable, God. I don't know. That's just not the way I want to do it. I'm perfectly fine right here. I feel like I'm living the right way. I feel like I'm doing the right thing. And God is calling you over here to do something. I don't know what it is. I don't know who it is. But I want to encourage you. You need to obey. A mature faith is a faith that doesn't just listen to the word, but does it. It's It's a faith that listens and puts it into practice, as Jesus would say, as Jesus said. This is a faith that obeys. I encourage you to obey. Listen this week. I, I want you to, to, be sl- to be quick to listen and slow to speak this week. Even when you, op- when you open up your word and you're, you're, you're getting in there and you're wanting to hear from God, I want you to, to not read a text, maybe read a text that you're not even familiar with. Because sometimes we have these texts that were our go-to verses, our go-to texts, and we just know what it means, and it meant so much to us at this point in our lives, and this is just so special to me. But maybe God is trying to teach you something new. Go in and be, be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. And just hear what God has for you. And then when you hear it, chase it. When you hear it, when you hear what God is telling you to do, you go. You do. You put it into practice. This is a faith that obeys. Let's pray. God, God, thank you so much for your word. And thank you so much for a book like James that just puts everything so simply and puts it just right there for the taking, God. God, I pray that that we would continue this, this journey through James and continue to learn more about what a mature faith looks like. God, I pray that you would you just speak to us this week. God, that each and every time we open up our Bible, each and every time we pray, each and every time that we, we, we try and build this intimacy with you, God, would you speak to us? Would, and would we, would we be slow to speak and quick to listen this week? God, and as we hear from you, will we be empowered to go, to do whatever it is you're asking us to do, God? We're, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. But what are you asking us to do? God, we love you.
We give you praise and we give you thanks. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close today? This is uh, what I was trying to find last week. <laughs> this is a blessing that uh, <clears throat> we find in the book of Numbers, and it says this. Let me just receive your hands out and just receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Go in peace this week. Amen.